Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here with one of my co-hosts, Mari Cleveland. Hello, Craig. John, if you're listening, hello to you too as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, John's on vacation this week, so we're going to try to make the show without him, unfortunately. We wish he was here. Interesting topic today. We've got uh, Mark Greenberg on the show, Jewish convert to Catholicism, and we thought it was kind of relevant to talk about conversion, talk about, you know, conversion from other faiths to our faith or within Christianity, people that convert to the Catholic Church, because there's a lot of positives. There can be a lot of challenges, quite honestly. You know, one of the things I love about getting to know Mark a bit and and his story is that how God weaves together all things for good for us. You know, Romans 8.28 is my life verse and how God takes everything in our life, every experience we have, and he weaves it together for for good, for for his glory, for our benefit. And with Mark, what we're going to get a chance to hear about is how God weaved just a story of love, a story of surrender, a story of sacrifice, a story of, you know, marriage. But then how um, all of the history, tradition, experiences that Mark had from growing up, how he's then poured that back out in love, um, in a new, yeah, in a new faith tradition, and how he shared his his other faith tradition and this new faith tradition, and how God has just woven it all together in such meaningful ways, and he's been able to reach a lot of people um, within the Catholic tradition because of his experiences. So I I love that part. Yeah. Now yeah. And the other thing that was a parallel for me was the fact that the Jewish people were in their Jewish faith when Christ showed up, mm-hmm. still Jewish, but followed Christ, and then in the year one hundred became known as Christians. And Mark really followed the same path, and it's funny because we, as Catholics, come directly out of the Jewish tradition. A lot of the things that go on in our mass are the same things that they um, that they experienced uh, as well in their temple gathering. So, without further ado, um, let's start with prayer, like we always do. Mari, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are our Abba. You are our Abba Father, and you always want what is good for us. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you come to us wherever we are, that um, as we learn in the parable of the lost sheep, Lord, that you would leave the 99 to go gather the one to yourself because you are always wooing us. You are always chasing us. You are always encouraging us to come closer to you. And you use every part of our experience, of our humanity, of our emotion, of our wants, our needs, to draw us closer in relationship with you. And so, Lord, we praise you. We thank you for that. We thank you for the the ways that you enter into our lives and the ways that you encourage us to enter into others' lives with your love, with your hope, with your um, your beautiful gifts. And so, Lord, as we speak with Mark today, we just ask that you would fill him with your gifts, continue to fill him with your gifts, bless him and his family, and that you would bless each and every one of our listeners who hear his story today and help them to be encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Father and Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as we said, we've uh, asked Mark to join us in the family room here. So we've got Mark Greenberg, who was is a father. Uh, he's a husband. He's a former attorney. He calls himself a reformed attorney <laughs> who was born and raised a faithful Jew and has converted 
at the age of 52 to Catholicism and now lives in Ohio. Mark, we're really appreciative of you joining us today. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Mary. It's it's a great joy and an honor, and I am humbled to uh, be here and to address your audience this morning. We're glad you're here, like we said, and we always like to hear uh, people's stories, and everybody's faith journey is very different. Yours coming from the Jewish tradition is far different than Mari's and mine and even Dave's. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your conversion story, please? Well, um, why don't I start with uh, sort of my upbringing? Uh, I was born in 1948, so it would make me 74 if you're doing the math. <laughs> um, you didn't have to tell us that, but that's okay. <laughs> and uh, we're very open here in the family I, room. I was I was raised lovingly in the Jewish faith. Uh, my story is not a rejection of the Jewish faith. Rather, I'd like to think of it as. My conversion to Catholicism was a completion mm -hmm. of my Jewish faith. So, uh, you know, the earliest memory I have growing up is my great-grandfather. Uh, he came to this country from Russia in the early 1900s. Uh, if you saw the movie or the play Fiddler on the Roof, you mm -hmm. saw the character Tevya. That gives you a brief <laughs> glimpse into what my great-grandfather's life was like. He lived in a small village in Russia somewhere. Um, his, his, uh, he had a trade of sorts. He worked in a, a store. They bought and sold things, his family. But his, uh, and the important thing he did every day was to study Torah, study the first mm. five books of the Old Testament with the other men of his village. Um, uh, different times, of course, the women uh, did not participate. Uh, and we're talking in the 1800s in Russia. Uh, but to study Torah uh, with the men of his village, that was the important part of his day, uh, which he did every morning. And uh, just like in the movie, there was persecution by the Russians. He had to flee Russia, mm -hmm. come to the United States. He entered uh, through Canada at first and eventually worked his way to Buffalo, New York. And uh, he did the same thing in Buffalo that he did in Russia. He bought and sold things, whatever he could find. He was, you might have called him a junk man. He had a junkyard in his backyard. <laughs> I remember as a child, I would love to play there. Um, he brought the rest of his family over, his wife and four children. That became the root of my family tree here in the United States. Uh, his daughter, Bella, uh, was my mother's mother. And uh, I you know, my earliest memory is, is our family gathering. We always would gather at, uh, we called him Zadie. That's a Yiddish word for grandfather, although he was great-grandfather. His name was Yeshua. Uh, he didn't really have an English name. And when he got to the immigration, uh, wherever it was, in Canada, and they uh, asked him for his name, he didn't speak English. He only spoke Hebrew and Yiddish. So he said his name, Yeshua, they couldn't understand him. So they wrote down on his papers that his name was Sam. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they, that, and this was a common problem. So if you look at his papers, it says his name is Sam Aldort. That's his last name. Um, his real name is Yeshua, or you might say Joshua in English. We just always called him Zadie. No one ever called him Sam in the family. Um, 
And he was a very, very religious man. The rest of the world might have seen him as a junk man, but I saw him as a holy man. Mm. Uh, He would pray uh, three times a day. The Jewish tradition is to uh, put on these leather straps called tefillin Mm -hmm. that have the, uh, uh, the, the Shema, the written prayer. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. It's the holiest prayer in the Jewish faith, so it's written on a little scroll, and it's tucked in a little box that's on these straps. Um, in the Old Testament, you might have heard about uh, Christ complaining about the Pharisees, that they widened their phylacteries. What he's talking about is these leather straps, if they're wider, it's an indication that you're rich enough to afford more leather oh. on on your on these straps that you wind around your hands. So that's a little that's uh, a history there. Nice tidbit of information. Yeah, exactly. I've never known that. And the Shema, so, the Shema is in Deuteronomy, right? So we, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's definitely part of the Old Testament. So I, I just remember seeing him pray, um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit later, attending seders uh, with his my entire family at his house. So, um, but I you know, I went to Hebrew school, I went to Sunday school, I had a bar mitzvah, all the things that Jewish children do. Now, were you considered conservative, reform, orthodox? How would you have... Quantified your family. Zadie was Orthodox, and he went to an Orthodox synagogue. Uh, The synagogue that we attended was conservative. Um, And uh, later, when I grew up and got married, I joined a Reformed temple. But uh, my family of origin was of the conservative faith. So, um, you know, we would go to— No work after sundown, is that right? No work after sundown on the Sabbath and all of those really— Serious traditions? Again, I observed all of that in my Zadie's house. Um, growing up in the United States with an American family, we would observe those rules, um, but sometimes with variations. So um, we would celebrate Shabbat, which started at sundown on Friday. Um, but my dad had a store. And and uh, he needed to be there on Saturday, so he went to work. You know, we, we, we didn't keep kosher in my house. My Zadie did. Uh, but there were certain foods we wouldn't eat anyway. We never ate any pork. I didn't really get to enjoy ham until I became Catholic. So, <laughs> um, that wasn't the reason I became Catholic. But it, was a, it was a benefit. It was um, a benefit. I've been dying for a ham sandwich. <laughs> Well, and so, know, yeah, so speak- honey, honey baked spiral ham. Yeah. <laughs> <There> we, <laughs> we should so, we should serve that up. Yeah. So, but so speaking of that, obviously, so you were there in your and I love how you say my Zadie. It just we can hear the tenderness. Um, and he was this mm-hmm. holy man, obviously had great influence on you. And what a beautiful faith tradition he taught you and taught you to love God so much. But you were here in the United States. So was there a conversation about Jesus? You, I, I'm sure you started hearing more about uh, Jesus being in in you know this more of a, of a sure. Christian environment and and what started to happen to you to tug you tug you to, tug on your heart closer to thinking more about uh, maybe becoming a com- completed as you said. Sure, that's a great question, Mari. Thank you. The it's hard to explain. Okay, mm-hmm. to 
a, a non-Jewish family. In our family, we never spoke about Jesus, ever. Mm-hmm. Not because it was bad. Not because there was some evil connotation. It just, the topic of Jesus did not exist. Mm-hmm. For Jews in the 50s, especially in families like mine, whose ancestors had come over from Europe who were more orthodox, and uh, so that we were constantly, you know, together with that part of the family, even though we weren't orthodox. It just, Jesus just wasn't discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, you certainly saw it in the culture. I mean, Christmas was everywhere, every year. Uh, Easter, you know, the Easter bunnies, Easter eggs, you know. So you knew, one knew about Jesus. You couldn't help it going to school. Mm-hmm. You know, it, Chris, the, 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 so Christmas time, there were Christmas trees everywhere. And, and uh, Easter time, there were pictures of bunnies. And my kindergarten teacher would put up eggs with the alphabet on it, you know. So, <laughs> um, but we didn't talk about it in the house. It just, it just, uh, I, I, one of my earliest experiences of sort of this call that I, I wasn't aware of, I was in first or second grade. So what am I, six or seven years old? And, you know, we have a Christmas assembly and we're singing Christ our Savior is born. So I go home and I say, Mom, we're singing these words. What am I supposed to do when we sing these words? And my mom thought for a minute and she said, well, why don't you just hum? <laughs> Why don't you, and, you know, this was yeah. pretty wise, pretty wise on her part. Yeah. But the thing was, I didn't want to hum. I wanted to sing Christ our Savior was born. I didn't, I don't think I fully appreciated those words or what they meant. But it, there, there was this person, Christ, and he's our Savior and he's born and we're celebrating it. And I kind of wanted to do that. Now you could say, Maybe I just wanted to be like the rest of the kids in my class. Or you could say, no, God was speaking to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just, but I do remember that very well. But I didn't speak of it. Yeah. I didn't speak of it at home. And I've heard other friends who say that it started very young and they don't know why. They don't know exactly, as you said, it's hard to describe sometimes um, when God yes, starts to yes. plant those seeds in your heart. and. I love the respect that you had for your mother and also the respect she had as well in that conversation. So as you got a little older, obviously there must have been some more things that that kind of drew you closer into learning more about this Christ our Savior. Well, you know, most of my, and this is again our culture in the 50s leading into the early 60s, most of my friends were Jewish. I would say all of my parents' friends were Jewish, but I also had uh, Christian friends, and I would be at their homes, and I would see the celebrations that they would have. <laughs> You're going to laugh. I, I had a, a really close friend when I was in grade school, and I would love going over to his house at Easter because they had a a butter lamb. Oh. They, I, I don't know I where they got it. I, it was an Easter tradition. It was a block of butter carved into a lamb, and I just thought this was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> And you know, Lamb of God, I hadn't, I didn't get that at all. But just little things that stick in my memory. Uh, I would say my strongest draw, the, the 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 time when I suddenly realized there's there's something here I might need to pay attention to, as an adult, as a Jewish adult, as a married 
Jewish adult active in my synagogue, I'm asked to go to Israel on what we would call a mission. Mm. Uh, to We actually worked in a village there that needed some help, some building projects. and um, But then we had time off, and we all wanted to go to Jerusalem. So they took us on a bus, they dropped us off, and they said, you know, be back here a certain time, and we'll take you back to the village. I went to the Christian holy sites. Mm. I went to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. I wanted to see this place where Jesus was crucified. I wanted to be where his tomb was. And then I walked out of there and I walked to Via Dolorosa. I I wanted, I I couldn't tell you why, I just knew I had to do it. Mm. Um, And, and, I, you know, on the MBTI, I'm kind of a feeler, so I, I'm just absorbing these things, not doing a lot of thinking about it at the time, but I'm responding to what I feel and letting, you would say today, letting the Holy Spirit take me where he would. So I guess at this point I'm in my 30s, and I do this. I don't tell anybody. I hold it in my heart. Um until much later when it came time for, I would say Jesus waited patiently for me to find him, but at some point may have gotten a little impatient, so he <laughs> he, he, he gave me a wake-up call. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting as I listen because you know, what comes to mind is Elijah for me mm-hmm. in, in the cave, Listening for God's voice and, you know, the, the, the wind, the earthquake, all these other things uh, were happening. And then he heard a whisper and got down on his face and it was like, I hear the voice of God. Yeah. That was, I mean, it, 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 literally you're, you're kind of detailing, I'm a little kid. Yeah. I heard the voice of God. I didn't know what it was, but I heard this voice of God, this whisper that kept calling me along. So funny enough, um, the feeler part of you was drawn to something. You decide to go out in in the Holy Land, and you're literally walking the steps of Christ, right? I mean, you're kind of following yeah. along in the way of Christ. Yes. Um, I have actually two questions for you. First one is, what did that feel like? Because feelings often drive us to make decisions. And number sure. two, you mentioned a wake-up call. Talk about the sure. wake-up call after you talk. I like, I like talking about feelings, and you said you're a feeling kind of guy, so I want to hear about right. that. Right. So the, the, what I can remember of that time is standing in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and I've returned there since then a number of times. Um, but that first time, standing there in awe. Um, I love that term, awe. Yeah, I was just in awe. Of course, at this point, I'm, you know, I'm 30 years old. I know something about the Christian faith. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I'm still an observant Jew. Um, you might, you're, you're going to be surprised at this, perhaps, but I'm not sure I fully understood the difference between Catholicism and the Protestant Reformation at that time. I hadn't studied it. I had mm-hmm. no reason to. There were Christians and there were Jews. Mm. 
And I was Jewish, and so I didn't really need to understand the whole history of the Christian faith. But I'm standing here in awe of this monument to the death of this person, Jesus, who I knew Christians consider the Son of God. And it was also, as I'm walking to Via Dolorosa, just a feeling of peace, mm-hmm. which I later learned that's God speaking, and, and I need to pay attention to that. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, Can you imagine them being Jewish and having peace in, a, in the presence of Christ or whatever? Yeah, so just, just being drawn to that. I've heard a number of people actually say that they were not Christian and that that was one of the first things that drew them into a relationship with peace, that sense of peace, that they didn't know where it was coming from. Yeah. <laughs> You know what saying? I don't mean to laugh at this, Mark, but you know what's even funny when he no, says, no. I didn't know the difference between Christianity and Catholicism, whatever. Most Catholics are Protestants, and most Catholics don't either, because when you say, are you Christian, they go, no, I'm Catholic. I mean, there's a lot of us don't realize I know, that. I'm like, We're, you are Christian. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Yes, exactly. you are Christian. So, but you did, and you also mentioned the wake-up call. So what was that wake-up right. call? Yeah. So um, this is hard to capture in a short conversation. I'll do my best. Um Without going into detail, when I was in my 40s, my life was not going so well. Uh, My marriage had fallen apart, um, and I was was not taking care of myself. I was in a very, very bad situation in terms of just not really caring what happened to me anymore. I was so Mm -hmm. sad. Mm -hmm. I, I felt I had led a sinful life, and as a sinner, I felt there was no hope for me. Um. And that was when God found me. And I've since, of course, done a lot of study. And, you know, God often does find us at the bottom. Yeah. Um, that, that emptiness that's created by that feeling of being on the bottom, God can fill that. And God did that for me. God, you know, you can laugh at this if you want. God appeared to me in a dream hmm. and said, he said my name. He said, Mark, I'm what you're looking for. Actually, it was Jesus. Wow. Jesus appeared and said, God, Mark, I'm what you're looking for. So I knew it was Jesus because I'd, I'd seen a bunch of movies with Charles and Charlton Heston. <laughs> you know, and I, I knew what Jesus looked like, and this was the guy in my dream. So I knew it was him. Um, so it took a while for me to respond to that. It took a few years, actually. But um, The way I responded and the way God helped me was through the woman who would ultimately become my wife. Her name is Sharon. She worked in the same office I did. Um, I had known her for 10 years just because of, you know, the people in your office. Uh, And I knew she went to church every day around noon when we had our lunch break. She went to church every day. I knew that about her because my paralegal went with her. I was a corporate attorney at the time. Um, and so one day I'm walking by her desk and I stop and I look at her and I say, can I go to church with you? Hmm. Now, that's a new pickup the, line, Mark. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm actually laughing because that's the pickup line my husband used on me, Mark, and it worked really <laughs> well. <laughs> it, it worked. It did work. It, it, it worked in a good way, but I had not planned that conversation. I wasn't sitting in my office. I'm going to go ask Sharon and I'm, I can go to church. That Those words came out of my mouth when I passed her desk. It shocked me, and it shocked her. But um, she said yes, and so, and, and then I said, um, 
well, I just need someplace quiet. And then I thought a few more minutes and I said, um, well, I'm not going to kneel because I'm Jewish and, and Jews don't kneel. And, and um, I, I probably won't pray to Jesus because I'm Jewish and Jews don't pray to Jesus, but I want to go to church with you. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you could write a comedy script about this. Here I am asking her to go to church, and then I'm already backing off. Well, I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to pray to Jesus. So I think looking back, there was a part of me that knew where I needed to be, and there was a part of me that says, wait a minute, you're Jewish. You're not supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. And th- that was the conflict that I was dealing with in my struggle uh, this call from Christ, this dream I had, um, that was the that that and that was the moment. We we I went to noon mass. That's what it was. It was noon mass at Saint X Church downtown Cincinnati, and we started going regularly. And that is where I discovered that that's where I needed to be. Oh, that's beautiful. And- and you know what? I one of the things I love about your story is God planted in your heart from a very young age the awe of the holy. You know, your Zadie mm-hmm. was a holy mm-hmm. man. You sensed yes. when you were in holy places in Jerusalem, Sharon had something of the holy about her and was drawing, you know, and the Holy Spirit came and spoke and was drawing you to the holy. Um, that's just, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Well, yeah. What else yeah. I love about all this too is it just reminds me of, from the time we're created, when God says, I knew you mm-hmm. before you were born, I formed you in the womb. Yeah. I had a purpose for your life before you even began. And your story to me just is a revelation of God's purpose for you un- unrolling, I guess is the way I would say it. But because you were open to it, because you were willing to listen to that little voice and you were like curious to say, okay, despite the fact that you said, I went down this crazy path and yeah. I screwed up my marriage or however, however you were saying, you know, you kind of hit the pit, you know, there's God again, like whispering, saying almost like your Zadie would have, right? Come on, get up. It's okay. Get up and let's start walking together again. Yeah. That's a great story. It is. Is there anything, you know, you said you kept on almost in a way backing off every time God got close. I think there are listeners out there who are backing off. Do you have any words of encouragement for them? Sure. To those people who, like you say, may be may not be Catholic or not really know Jesus, but are being called to something deeper and they don't know how to respond, I would say two things. One, trust your feelings. Mm. If you are feeling called to something deeper, allow it. Go with it. Trust. That's a great word. So thank you. So listeners, we will be right back here in the family room with Mark Greenberg, and we look forward to seeing you back here in just a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. 
To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. Welcome back into The Family Room with... Craig and Mari, and our guest, Mark Greenberg. We've been talking about his conversion story from uh, Judaism to Catholicism. And if you've been listening, you're hearing a beautiful story of oh, an open heart, a willingness to listen to God and be guided by that. And I know you wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the experience with your now current wife, Sharon, and, and your church experience. But before you do, we always have our guests talk about the family room, favorite memory, uh, it seems to me like Zadie may have been a part of this family room memory. So why don't you give us your family room, favorite family room memory? Sure. Glad to do that. Thanks. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier that as a child, you know, we would always go to my Zadie's house uh, for family gatherings. And, and each year uh, at Passover time, uh, the fest- Jewish festival of Passover, we would gather at Zadie's house for a Seder meal. Um and once again, this is God speaking to me. I, I, I had no idea that there was this thing called Holy Thursday and that it was a Seder. I would learn <laughs> that. I would learn that 40 years later. Okay. Mm-hmm. But one of my beloved childhood memories is attending Seder at my Zadie's house. Uh, of course, he was pretty old uh, at that point. Um, and he had his prayer book, which was only in Hebrew. There was no English in it. And he would hold it up to his face so close to his eyes because he, he was losing his sight. Mm. And I really think he had it memorized that the book was just there because that's what he was used to doing. But, 
you know, it was a wonderful gathering. You know, it, it, everything stopped. It doesn't matter what else was going on in your life. Everything stopped when it was time to celebrate Seder. And later I would read Exodus 12 and I would learn that's God's command to the Jewish people. You, you must do this uh, in remembrance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we're gathering to celebrate the freedom of the Jewish people. And it was community. It was my first sense of community. Um, you know, it, it, uh, 40 years later when I'm in RCIA and I'm learning Holy Thursday is, is, is a Passover meal, it just washed over me that Christ was Jewish, the apostles were Jewish, Jesus tapped into their Jewish DNA to transform the Seder meal into a Eucharistic meal. Mm. But that, that was later. It, it, when I learned that, it just took me all the way back to the Seders of my youth. And, tra- and that was part of my Catholic transformation, yeah, that this was always there. I just didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. And he was the Lamb of God, and you have the Lamb, right? The Seder. So, yeah. Yes, we eat Lamb at Seder, and, and the Lamb was sacrificed. Uh, the blood of the Lamb was put on the doorposts of the house. You can yeah. you know read all about it yeah. in Exodus 12. And, and so that's how the, uh, the angel of the Lord knew which houses to pass over. Exactly. And from that, we get the Lamb of God. And Mark, is it true, because I've read other places, that you had to have the Lamb live in your house for yep. a period of time, which kind of made it like a part of the family, and yep. no, no pun intended because we're in the family room. But the idea was you're sacrificing something that means something to you, not just, I went to the store, I bought this. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, you would... Again, we're talking a different time uh, when people had flocks, but the lamb would be taken from your flock. Yeah. So you you would know it, and, and uh, it would it would be perhaps something you raised. You your children would have helped you raise. In modern times, no, we don't. You know, we live in houses and we don't have farm animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so some of us no. don't. Some of us do. <laughs> right. There are people who do, and and. But yes, you were you were to take it from your flock. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. Mm. So um, let's back up just a minute, because before the break, you were talking about how you were walking by Sharon's desk. You're in this corporate yes. law office, and yes. the Holy Spirit basically takes charge of your vocal cords <laughs> and asks exactly. and asks Sharon if you can go to church with her. And then once the Holy Spirit's come through all of a sudden your humanity stepped back in and said oh wait let me let me add some conditions to this really quickly right, so right. so we've got to know what happened when you actually went to mass because you've already told her i'm not going to kneel i'm not going to pray to jesus so what was this experience like then when you and sharon went right. to mass that day right my fear took over and, ah, yes. and, and 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 put in those conditions so i'm sitting at mass uh, you know we, we we start going on a fairly regular basis and you know I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm hearing these prayers that are the same prayers I hear at the Jewish service, you know, holy, holy, holy. In the Jewish Sabbath service, we pray kadosh, 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 same thing, holy, holy, holy. I say, what's going on here? Yeah. And so I'm full of questions, a thousand questions every time for Sharon. What's this? What's that? Why are they saying this? What's all this about? <laughs> so, uh, and she's very patient and answers all my questions. She's a cradle Catholic. There came a day when I just decided you know, everybody else has gone up for communion. I know I can't go. Sharon explained that. And I'm just going to sit there and start talking to Jesus. And so I did. 
and all that fear just melted away. Mm. There was that feeling of peace again. It was okay for this Jewish man to talk to Jesus, this other Jewish man, Mm. okay? Um, And then a couple days later, it happened. The priest elevates the host during the consecration. Everybody kneels. Bam. Down I go. My knees hit that <laughs> kneeler. I, I <laughs> fell to my knees. I didn't just sort of quietly slide down there like so nobody would notice. No. Bam. I hit the kneeler. And that, my brothers and sisters, is my moment of conversion. That's when I knew. Mm. That was my first experience of surrender. Gave up my fear, surrendered my fear, my will to that of God, and I knew I was in the right place. I knew I was Christian. I knew that Jesus was the Messiah my people had been waiting for. I had a vision. I saw him inside of me. He'd always been there. There was a light shining down on him, and I was walking through darkness in this vision, and I turned a corner. I could actually see a kind of corner going on. This is all going on inside of me, and there he is. I'm on my knees. The priest is going through the consecration ritual, and I'm seeing Jesus inside of me, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, it would lead to my going to RCIA and, and becoming Catholic and a, a number of other things, but that was the moment when I surrendered my will to God's. Exactly. Every knee shall bend, every tongue shall confess. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly the scripture yeah. that hey, hit me. I'm, I'm actually in tears because um, just that thought that Jesus is there. And it's interesting that it happened right there at the moment of consecration because, as you know yeah. now, as a Catholic, we know that that's when Jesus comes. Jesus comes right there, and he is there fully present, body, soul, um, body, blood, soul, and divinity right there at that moment. It was interesting. I just heard this yesterday. I heard that um, the word, the word we have when it's, when Jesus says, and the priest says during that, he says, he repeats the words of Jesus. When Jesus said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, yes. that in the, in the Aramaic word, we don't have that word in English, that it's not just in remembrance. That's just such a um, just such a light and, and not defining word for what that really means, because in the Aramaic, it actually means something more rich, like I will be there when you do this, I will be there. And that's what happened yes. for you. As the priest said those words of Jesus, he was there. He was there. And he's there for all of us. We don't always just see him, but you saw him. He opened your eyes. Yeah. He's there for all of us. He's there for the good, the bad, the ugly, the sinner. The, the religious. He's there for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, too. I'm going to ask you a question real quickly, but your vision of, you know, Christ in my dream, don't laugh at me. Yeah. I've heard numerous stories of Muslim conversions yeah. in the Middle East because Christ or Our Lady is actually appearing to them and they're like, holy. Yeah. In their dreams. Yes. Yeah. In their dreams. So, uh, you know, we got to be careful watching our dreams, but, you know, Our Holy Spirit will show up in our dreams. So translating that into you showing up now um, into the Catholic faith and deciding to do seders for Christians, um, kind of an interesting concept, Um, not one I've ever heard of. I don't know, Mari, if you've ever... I actually have. I've been to a number oh, sure of seders. Of course yeah. you have. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did a seder for my family and um, invited the neighborhood. And yeah, yeah, because I, I love the seder and I love all of the, all of the imagery and all of the, um, 
all of the ways that it prefigures Christ. Yes, yes. That, then at least for one of us or other <laughs> listeners, can you break that apart and talk about Seder and why you decided to do it for uh, other Christians? What was the purpose? Sure. Um, I guess the short answer would be I felt called because of my personal experience to witness and that's 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 an important word to witness that all faiths have more in common than that which separates us. We're all children of God. That includes Christians, Jews, Muslims, everybody. Mm-hmm. So I began celebrating Jewish Passover seders with Christians. Um, I was invited to do it, and it sort of caught on. I was invited to give a Jewish seder at a church. And so I did, you know, I I didn't do a Christian version of it. I did the Jewish Seder, Mm -hmm. but at each step along the way, I connect the dots to Jesus. And I I just feel called to bring that message that we don't need to look at each other as the other. Mm -hmm. We are, we are one in God. You know, yeah, you know, we celebrate differently, but in God's eyes, we're all his children. And so I just felt called to to bring that. That's why I do Seders, and that's why I give the talk that you heard, Craig. Well, do us a favor then, because I can tell you, as, as the ignorant one in the room here, um, would you tell us exactly what a Seder is and, again, what it, what it may represent tied to Christianity? Uh, you mentioned it, but I'd like to break it apart again. Sure. So the, Exodus 12, you know, God commands his people in, in commemoration of what God did for us, brought us out of the land of Egypt, freed us from slavery. We are commanded each year to gather on this night, and there are prayers and rituals we do, all of which remind us of God's great mercy and grace. And we eat lamb or if lamb's not available, then beef. But the idea is to remember that a lamb was sacrificed. Its blood was used to put on the doorposts of the Jewish people's house so that when the 10th plague was carried out, the Jewish people would be spared. So this is the Passover meal. This is the actual meal that celebrated Passover. Exactly. Right. And that that 10th plague was when the first male child of every family and even the first male animal in every herd would die, and instead in the Egyptian family, right? Because right. of Pharaoh's stubbornness, exactly. You know, nine plagues, and he still won't let the people go. He won't let go of his slaves. So God brings the tenth plague, and it's full of ritual, and it's full of certain foods, and it's quite an experience. Then you get to Holy Thursday, which is this same celebration, mm-hmm. because. Jesus, Jewish, apostles, Jewish, it's Passover. God's command is you stop what you're doing. So they go to the upper room. Jesus tells them, you know, I'm coming. You must go to the upper room and prepare the Passover Seder. So, you know, when I get to RCIA and I'm learning about Holy Thursday and it's a Seder, I'm saying, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I've been doing Seders my whole life. I finally can relate. You know, but then Jesus does this wonderful transformation. He he says to them, this bread that we break and bless, which Jews have been doing for thousands of years, which they still do today. They break bread and bless it. He did the same thing, but he said, this is my body. He introduces us 
to Eucharist. He makes it eternal. And the same with the wine, of course. Uh, we always pour wine. We bless it. It still goes on today. It's been going on for 5,000 years. But Jesus transforms it, gives us the Eucharistic blessing, the, the sacrament, mm. uh, of, of, and, and introduces us to sacramental life. Mm-hmm. And this just blew me away when I learned that. I said, <laughs> this, this was so critical, so important. I've been doing this all my life. Did, and, and what we celebrate in, in the Eucharistic feast is freedom from sin. It's still freedom. Instead of freedom from slavery, freedom from slavery to sin, eternal life. Yeah, that is so well said. So listeners, if you were just tuning in, you were listening to the voice of Mark Greenberg, our guest today here in the family room. And he's sharing with us um, his conversion story and um, how family is a a big part of his conversion story, both his family of origin as well as his new family um, with his wife, Sharon, as well. So that's so beautiful and so well said. I love that. There's just that thought of um, not just the freedom from the bondage, of Egypt um, and slavery, but the freedom from the bondage of sin um, that that Christ and that the Lord um, offers each of us. That's wonderful. So, um, so you, so this was a great epiphany for you. Um, not to mix my uh, <laughs> feasts here, <laughs> but but um, you also then one of the things that I want to make sure because we've got about ten minutes left. Um, I want to make sure we get into. Pre-Cana, um, and just th- as you walked further into becoming part of the church and offering yourself in all the different ways that you did because of your own experiences, you mentioned offering pre-Cana for those who were entering second marriages, just as you entered into a second marriage with Sharon. Can you take us yes. into that part of your story? Sure. So Sharon was my sponsor when mm-hmm. I went through RCIA. She was my friend. Uh, all through this, we, we became very close um, and it, you know, we we moved gradually from friendship into this sacramental relationship of ministers of Christ to each other, holy matrimony. But it took four or five years uh, for that to happen. So marriage, as a sacrament, was new to me, mm. and became very close to my heart. This idea of formation that we we form our people. This is a big part of what the church teaches. Sadly, I have to say, we don't always do what we preach. Mm. Um, we talk about it. Uh, we, we have pre-cana for married couples, but I went through it with Sharon. And it was one day of, of, of this classroom presentation. We felt we wanted more, so we actually asked for more. And we were pointed to a person who then took us through a period of the focus tests and all that. But we spent some weeks with that person, and that was meaningful to me that that, that was true formation. So uh, at some point along the way, uh, a person from the Archdiocese and Family Life called Sharon and I and said, we're forming a team to do pre-cana for second marriages, people who want to stay inside the church. Would you be willing to be on that team? I said, yes, this is close to my heart. So we did join the team. We worked very hard. We were at it for about a year and a half. We put on, again, which is all our diocese would offer, this one-day gathering uh, of the couples and the team, and we would talk for an hour or so, and then there might be some journaling, there'd be some prayer. We tried to be creative, come up with different things that you could do, but everybody on the team was in a sacramental second marriage. 
it was rewarding and it was painful both at the same time Hmm. because you could see in the couples who were attending some were there to listen and some were there to check the box Mm -hmm. Uh, we would ask people to put their phones away for the duration of the day some did some didn't so why is there a 50 percent divorce rate in our country today why is there even a 50 percent divorce rate in second marriages we are not forming our married people Mm-hmm. And even after we form them and they get married, we need to support them after that with with more programming, more connection, more community. And I, it saddens me that we don't do more like that. And, and uh, you know, she, finally at some point, Sharon and I had to agree, and a lot of the team members felt the same. We're not getting through. You can't do it in one day. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a period of of weeks. So that's a great opportunity for anybody out there who has felt that Holy Spirit prick on your hearts. And I know there are some parishes where they are doing a lot more for right. ministering to couples and all. And I'm sure you and Sharon probably have taken a few couples under your wings as well. And for those who wanted it and spent more time with them. We, we are intentional. Mm-hmm. We, we spend each morning with the readings of, of the day. We try to go to mass together, daily mass when we can. We go on retreats, um, you have to be intentional about this sacramental relationship, I believe. Yes. Well, I think what we're talking about here, too, is um, we've lowered the bar you know, societally. We've lowered the bar mm-hmm. and made it easy for people to jump over because, well, you feel bad because you're divorced. You feel bad because this happened or that happened. And Jesus came and I've had the conversation with my kids. He shows up and he's raising the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, not mm-hmm. only is it not enough to avoid cheating on your wife, which is adultery. If you look at somebody, you know, everybody would say, oh, that was so terrible. It's so hard to do. But again, the higher you raise the bar, the higher people are going to reach. Yeah. And that battle, that, that, that struggle is going to make people stronger. And I find it interesting too, Mark, your, your, your wisdom in the comment about, I don't think the pre-Canas have done what they're supposed to do. What is happening in where they are working, and Mara, you mentioned it, it's when we hold hands with somebody next to us, an older couple, a younger couple, mm-hmm. and it's all about the new key word today is accompanying. Yeah, I accompany yeah. somebody along the way, and I know, Mark, you and I have talked a little bit about your spiritual direction courses. I'm finishing mine up. And even in spiritual direction, it's not about I'm going to show you I'm perfect and I know what I'm doing. It's not about I've got all the answers. It's about I'm going to walk with you and we're going to look for Jesus in every situation you choose to bring up, and we're going to find out what Jesus is saying to you, mm-hmm. what the Holy Spirit right. is saying to you, because it's not about my opinion and what I think. Right. Right. And we keep bringing our opinion into these relationships, and God saying, folks, this, and, and folks, this is going to get to my next question. <laughs> it, it's like, it's like you know what, God, this is, this is not your church, people. You're part of it. You're part of the body, but it's God's church. God has already set it up and got everything in place. And you talk about surrendering and giving the process to God. And I think that's one of the key mm-hmm. teachings that we've, we've all missed. Can you talk about that, please? Sure. Well, you know, I was a corporate attorney and, you know, I thought, you know, my life was about me. And then I get to RCA and one of the first things they tell me is your life is not about you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean it's not life's about me? Of course, my life's about me. You know, I'm a, I'm a, Captain of America, you know, I'm a corporate <laughs> giant. 
and and I needed to come down from that. I needed to learn that no, my life is not about me. Today, today is the feast of Saint John the Baptist, and in the Acts of the Apostles, he says to them, "Who do you think I am? I am not He." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I must from decrease today, so that He may increase, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I had to learn that you let go of this need to be in charge, this need to say it's about my accomplishments, and you point your life toward Jesus, mm-hmm. just like John the Baptist. That's something I've learned, That's and, and so much peace in that. I don't have to solve problems for everybody. I don't have to find answers. As Craig so wisely said, I just need to walk with you. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for the Lord, find God wherever you can. You're looking for God. Let's walk together because God's already there in your life. You just have to find it, find him. Yeah, and he has already found you. So just (laughs) open up, like you said before, surrender. So, Mark, we have so enjoyed having you and having you share just from the depths of your heart your own personal journey. Thank you for your intimacy with us today um, and for the blessing that you've encouraged our listeners to just seek seek after God. He's there. He will find you, and you can open your heart to have him to be found by him as well and seek that peace he offers. Would you bless our listeners by, um, bless all of us by uh, sharing a closing prayer with us today? Sure, sure. And thank you very much for inviting me on your show. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank God. We thank him for his mercy, for his grace, for for all the benefits and goodness he showers upon us. There's so much we can see. There's things we cannot see that God does for us. And in this gratitude, we ask God to bless those people who make this radio show possible to bless Mari and Craig and all those behind the scenes, all those who listen. Lord, just walk with all of these people. If this program, Lord, can be for your greater glory, then then we have served you and we have given your people an opportunity to be blessed. Let what we do be for your greater glory. Let the Holy Spirit descend upon us all and give us peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Mark. We Thank appreciate you. you joining us. Thank you. God bless you. God God bless bless you. you. And listeners, we appreciate you joining us as well. Please join us again here next week in the Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.